You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works 266, the first of three volumes, entitled From the Esoteric School, Esoteric Lessons 1904-1909 by Rudolf Steiner, translated by James H. Hines. I am in the 1906 Esoteric Lessons. This one is from Berlin, May 6, 1906. Record A is from Matilda Hoyer. Record B from manuscripts of Matilda Scholl, Eugenie Bredov, Lilla Harris, Anna Weissman. Record A. Humans are indirectly always participating in the destruction and killing of living beings. When they breathe, they kill. No living beings could exist on the earth if only humans lived on it. The carbon dioxide-laden breath that humans exhale poisons the atmosphere. It is ruinous and deadly for all living beings. Plants exhale oxygen and thereby make it possible for living beings to exist. When the earth was still in the condition that we call old moon, there was as yet no human kingdom such as now exists on the earth. The entire moon at that time was like a kind of plant being, like a peat bog, soft and alive. From this plant mineral earth evolved the beings that are humans today. This, quote, plant porridge, close quote, also contained today's plants and animals. There was an in-between kingdom between these two. The animal plants had sensation. On the old moon there was, number one, a plant kingdom, higher than our present-day mineral kingdom. Number two, an animal kingdom of sensitive plants. Excuse me. Number two, an animal plant kingdom of sensitive plants. Number three, a kingdom of human animals, higher than present-day animals and lower than the present-day human kingdom. All the beings on this old moon lived in large measure in an atmosphere of nitrogen, and surrounded by this atmosphere, the old moon was destroyed by an excess of nitrogen. Mushrooms, which still today live on a more plant-like ground, are remnants of the animal-plant kingdom that was to be found on old moon. They contain much nitrogen and are therefore unhelpful for esoteric development. Mistletoe, which also lives on other plants, is such a remnant. It has special esoteric characteristics. Parenthesis Hodor, the blind Norse deity, threw Loki's mistletoe dart that killed Baldur. After the moon had been destroyed by its atmosphere, everything went through a pralaya and then appeared again when the development of the present earth began. After a certain time, all that was unhelpful for further development was split off 
and formed the present-day moon. On the earth, other kingdoms developed out of the kingdoms that had been on Old Moon. For the present day, plants to come into being, part of the plant mineral kingdom had to be pushed down a step, whereupon it gradually became more solid and harder so that plants of today could arise. Before the surrounding world was not perceptible to people. Let me read that again. Before the surrounding world was not perceptible to people. On the moon they were unable to perceive the world objectively. As the plant mineral kingdom descended and the present-day mineral kingdom gradually formed, it became objectively perceptible. Only through solidification did it achieve a state where it could reflect light, and a world then came into existence that was visible for physical eyes. The biblical account of the creation of light is referring to this. Only those heavenly celestial bodies are visible which have descended to the mineral kingdom and become solidified. All celestial bodies that are visible to the eye or the telescope are physically present. The physical eye sees right through what is not mineralized. It does not notice the celestial bodies that have not become mineralized. There are many more celestial bodies in the world than the ones we can perceive as mineralized. As soon as the mineral kingdom descended a step, it reflected light for the plant kingdom. The plants live not only from the mineral kingdom of the earth, but live also from the light reflected back from the mineral kingdom. And as the plants live from this light, so the animals and animal humans, that is, the physical human race on the earth, live from the oxygen that the plants exhale. The animal plants of Old Moon have on the one hand descended a step lower and on the other hand ascended a step higher. Thus on the one hand the animals came into existence. There is a relationship between both kingdoms. That is why the animal beings can live from the oxygen of the plants and vice versa, the plants can live from the carbon dioxide humans exhale. Oxygen is physically what otherwise lives in the plant as prana, life body. The kingdom of the human animal has also split into two kingdoms in the two sexes. Through this split there arises among humans the love that to begin with is still physical. Through this love the human being can be raised into the kingdom of the gods. These lived from the physical love of humans, just as humans and animals live from the oxygen that plants exhale, and the plants live from the light reflected to them from the mineral kingdom. Nectar and ambrosia, the food of the gods, is the masculine-feminine love between humans, parenthesis, and yet the gods apparently envy humans the happiness they get thereby. Close parenthesis. The ascent of the human being takes place 
through overcoming physical love, and then through the regulation of the breathing process, foregoing the life of the plants, oxygen, and through the development of the kundalini light. That is giving back the light reflected from the mineral kingdom. Number one, overcoming physical love. Separating the previously unisexual human being into two sexes was necessary so that the intellect could develop in humans. The human being was split into a higher mental-spiritual nature and a lower animal nature. Now what unites the two sexes in the lower nature must also be sacrificed. It is an ascent when humans overcome the power of physical love and transform it into higher, more spiritual powers through their own inner powers of soul. Those are the etheric life forces, creative powers, Klingzor, Parsifal. Number two. Human beings who strive toward a higher development must sacrifice the forces they take from the plant world. Through the breathing process, humans consume oxygen, the air of life that the plants exhale. The blossom of the plant already needs oxygen. Everything astral needs it. The breath becomes purer through rhythmization of the breathing process and through inner soul work. What is then exhaled then contains less carbon dioxide. The atmosphere around a person is used up less quickly, and he or she then takes away less of the life-giving oxygen from other beings. In order to achieve this as strongly as possible, the Indian yogis withdraw into caves where they breathe as little oxygen as possible. They can do that, because through the inner soul work they have done, their breath is so pure that they can live a long time without additional air. The more spiritualized humans are, the longer they can live in their air, and the less carbon dioxide they breathe out. A materialist spoils the air through breathing much more than an idealist. Present-day materialists cannot live without a constant supply of fresh air. People who live in the country, through their life with nature, bring an external rhythm into their lives. In this way, the air they breathe is better, whereas the air breathed in the cities is full of poisons through the immorality of the people who live there. Plants send out pure air, oxygen. They are pure, without desire, selfless, and for this reason people feel well in the plant world. But an ongoing supply of fresh air has, as a matter of fact, an adverse effect on esoteric development, because one is then taking too much life from the plants. Esoteric pupils learn to master their breathing process and in this way can bring about moments when they are not participating in the destructive process that is brought about by breathing. Number three, human beings learn consciously to reflect back the light that the mineral kingdom raise forth. They develop the kundalini light 
and radiate it into the world, and thus give the light back to the world, the light of the human kingdom, parenthesis, that it also may become sun one day. Close parenthesis. Human beings do not even know what an important instrument their organism is. They know the whole rest of the world better than themselves. They can, in fact, develop wonderful abilities. Human beings have within themselves an organ that when they inhale, fills with air that formerly was outside them, and that when they exhale, is emptied of the air that they had within them. Even into the finest branches it is filled with the external air when inhaling. When humans breathe in, they breathe in spirit, and then, with the air they exhale, they exhale the spirit that lives in them. Through the rhythmized, spirit-filled breath, increasingly, there develops the spirit in them and outside in the world. The growth of the spiritual human being is furthered through inhaling and exhaling. It depends upon what human beings give to their spirit when exhaling. The spirit is built up through thoughts. Human beings are forming, are sending out their spirit with every thought that accompanies their exhalation. Human beings do not always have an organ in order to inhale. The beings on the old moon lived in such a way that they breathed not air, but fire, just as humans today breathe in oxygen and out carbon dioxide, so they then inhaled fire and exhaled cold. And in the future, humans will no longer breathe air. Just as humans today create their own warmth by nourishing their warmth organism, the heart, including the blood circulation, with the air that streams in from outside, so will they later have an inner organ for air, through which the organism, in a similar way, will provide what we now take in from the external air. Human beings themselves now prepare their own warmth, which earlier was inhaled by the beings on the old moon, directly from the surrounding world and then absorbed. Human beings will then be able to metabolize the used air within themselves, parenthesis, silicic acid process, stone of the wise, close parenthesis. Then they will no longer live in an external atmosphere of air. On Jupiter, they will live in the light, inhaling light as we now inhale air and as we inhaled warmth on the old moon. There's a small chart here. Overcoming physical love equals trans equals formation of astral body, transformation into manas, which is wisdom, ennobling of the animal kingdom. Rhythmization of breathing equals formation of etheric body, transformation in buddhi, which is beauty, Elevation of plant kingdom. Radiation of kundalini equals formation of physical body. 
transformation into Atman, which is power, elevation of mineral kingdom. When all this has taken place, then the mineral kingdom will be transformed into a kind of plant kingdom, the plant kingdom later into a kind of animal kingdom, etc., etc., the next round. That is the end of record A. Record B. Connecting to the earlier lesson, we have still to speak some more about the significance of the breathing process. Human beings usually believe that they have done a lot if they have refrained from killing living beings, if they live a vegetarian life and do not kill any living beings directly. But in reality, they are always indirectly involved in killing and destroying living beings. When they breathe, they kill. No living being could exist on the earth if only humans lived on it, who are constantly breathing out carbon dioxide. The carbon dioxide-laden breath that humans exhale poisons the atmosphere and brings ruin and death to all living beings. Plants exhale oxygen. They thereby make it possible for living beings to exist. When the earth was still in the condition that we call old moon, there was as yet no mineral kingdom. Plants lived on and in this plant-mineral earth. Nothing mineral existed there yet. Only firmer parts like tree trunks moved through it. At that time one could not climb rocks. They were not there. The solidity that one would have encountered there would have been like the woody parts of plants are today. In this living plant earth, there lived plants that if one had grasped them would have cried out, for they had sensation. They were animal plants. Mistletoe is a remnant of these moon plants. It is able to grow only on other plants because it has preserved this nature from old moon. Therefore it is shaped entirely differently and has certain esoteric characteristics connected to the development of old moon. On the old moon there was, number one, a plant mineral kingdom which stood higher than our present day mineral kingdom. Number two, an animal plant kingdom of sensitive plants. Number three, a kingdom of human animals which stood higher than present day animals and lower than the present day human kingdom. All the beings on this old moon lived in large measure from an atmosphere of nitrogen. The old moon was surrounded by an atmosphere of nitrogen that was eventually destroyed by an excess of nitrogen. Mushrooms, which also today live on a more plant-like ground, still contain much nitrogen and are therefore unfavorable for esoteric development. They are more a kind of animal plant like the animal plants on the moon. After the moon had been destroyed by its atmosphere, it went through a pralaya and then evolved into present earth. Then all that was detrimental to further development was split off and formed the present-day moon. It left the earth. On the earth other kingdoms then developed out of the kingdoms that had been on old moon. 
For the present-day plants to come into being, part of the plant mineral kingdom had to be pushed down a step. This became the present-day mineral kingdom. Before that, the surrounding world was imperceptible to humans. On the moon, human beings were unable to perceive the world objectively. The plant mineral kingdom descended a step and thereby became objectively perceptible. Only through solidification could it become perceptible. Only then could it reflect light. Only from that point in time was there a physical world for physical eyes. The biblical account of the creation of light is referring to this. At that time the moment occurred, quote, let there be light, close quote. Only those heavenly celestial bodies are visible, which have descended to the mineral kingdom and become solidified. All celestial bodies that are visible to the eye or the astronomer's telescope are present in the mineral sense. The physical eyes see right through what is not mineralized. It does not notice the celestial bodies that have not become mineralized. However, there are many more celestial bodies in the world than those that can be perceived physically. As soon as the mineral kingdom descended a step, it reflected light for plants. The plants live not only in the mineral world, on the mineral earth, but also from the light reflected back from the mineral kingdom. And as the plants live from this light, so the animals and animal humans, the physical humans on the earth, live from the oxygen that the plants exhale. The animal plants have also descended a step lower and the animals have ascended a step higher. That is why the animal living beings can live from the oxygen of the plants. Oxygen is physically what otherwise lives in the plant as prana. The kingdom of the human animals was also split into two kingdoms, indeed, into the two sexes. With this split, physical love arose among humans, which again formed the bond between the two sexes, and on the other hand the possibility of spiritual knowledge. Through the fact that the human kingdom split and physical love arose, the gods could develop themselves further at the expense of human beings. Since, for the gods, the physical love of humans was the air of life, just as oxygen is for humans and animals, and light reflected from the mineral kingdom for plants. In the Greek myth it is told that the gods live from nectar and ambrosia, that is the masculine and feminine love of humans. At the same time the heart, the lungs, and warm blood were developed in humans before, human, before humans breathed through gills. They lived in an atmosphere that could not have been inhaled by lungs. Now the organs of breathing were gradually transformed in order to be able to inhale the oxygen of the air. Ascent and progress consists in this, that humans overcome physical love. The separation into two sexes was necessary so that the intellect could develop in humans. In this way, the human being was split into a higher and a lower nature.
Now, however, what connects the two sexes together must again be overcome. It is a step of the ascent when humans sacrifice the forces of physical love and transform them into higher powers. By sacrificing these lower forces, the higher forces can be manifested. Secondly, they must then sacrifice the forces that they draw from the plant world. Humans use up oxygen, the air of life that plants exhale, through the breathing process. Through the rhythmization process of breathing and through the inner spiritualization of the human being, the breath becomes purer. It contains less carbon dioxide. The atmosphere around a person is used up less quickly, and he or she then takes away less of the life-giving oxygen from other beings. Yogis who live in caves are spoken of. The fact that they can do that is based on their spiritualization, which makes their breath so pure that they can live a long time without an additional supply of air because the air around them remains pure. The more spiritualized humans are, the longer they can live in their air and the less carbon dioxide they breathe out. One can factually state that a materialist spoils the air through breathing much more than an idealist. For this reason, present-day materialists cannot live without a constant supply of fresh air, whereas an idealist does not use so much oxygen. A continuous supply of oxygen actually has an adverse effect on esoteric development. Exhaling carbon dioxide poisons the atmosphere and kills what modern doctors, naturopaths, and others prescribe for people that they continuously consume oxygen is a hindrance to esoteric development because a person is then taking so much life from the plants. Esoteric pupils learn to master their breathing process and in this way can bring about moments when they are not participating in the destructive process that is brought about by breathing. Thirdly, pupils learn consciously to reflect light. They develop the kundalini light and radiate it into the world, thus giving the light of the mineral kingdom back to the world. By and large, humans do not know what an important instrument they have in their own organism. The entire rest of the world they know better than their own organs. They are not yet aware of the wonderful capacities they can develop. In order for humans to develop their organism in the right way, into an instrument for their higher powers, they must pay attention to the way they nourish their physical bodies. It is not a matter of indifference what physical substances are fed to the physical body. Two natures must be distinguished in humans, a higher and a lower all that belongs to the formation of warm blood, of flesh, the muscles, etc., is to be regarded as their lower nature. All that belongs to their spiritual organs is part of their higher nature. We should seek out nourishment for higher development that does not foster the growth of the lower nature. Therefore, those who wish to develop themselves esoterically should avoid everything connected with blood flesh, and muscles.
the flesh of animals, the blood of animals, the muscles and that which has hardened the bone system. All of this is connected with the moon evolution. That is, it points to stages of evolution already gone past. The evolution of the earth is to become higher evolution. Therefore, humans should only consume what is connected with the progress of the earth. Milk, for example, is connected in animals with the life process. Therefore, it fosters esoteric development in humans. Now, there are many people today who are vegetarians because they do not want to kill. However, because they see the nourishment from meat as something important, they seek a replacement for the substances contained in meat and then, for their nourishment, they use, above all, plants that contain similar substances. Just for this reason, many vegetarians eat a lot of legumes. Now, there is also something special about nourishment from plants. Here, too, there are things that are a hindrance to esoteric development. That which, in plants, is derived from the moon evolution is a hindrance for us if we wish to advance spiritually. The delicate seeds of spirit are destroyed. In plants, this is generally the part that tends to turn down into the earth. There are the substances that harden, which belong to moon evolution. For this reason, all roots, all that grows under the earth is a hindrance for us. On the other hand, what grows above the earth, blossoms, leaves and fruits, furthers us. There are, however, certain exceptions namely what grows in a pod, husk, or shell. That is, what is surrounded by a shell, separated from sunlight, and strives toward hardening, is a hindrance for esoteric development. Precisely these substances from legumes produce in humans, who seek to spiritualize themselves, grave consequences. Through these substances their dream life becomes impure, and so one can often observe that as a consequence of a vegetarian lifestyle, higher powers are developed, to be sure, but that these people, because they consume what grows under the earth, remain limited in terms of higher knowledge, and that through the consumption of legumes their dream life becomes confused and depraved. And yet vision into higher worlds should begin with vision in dreams. Therefore, it is to be striven for that in this vision only pure, beautiful pictures arise in a person. From the mineral kingdom, all that precipitates into a sediment, such as salts, is a hindrance for humans. An esotericist must know and observe all these things, but there are many cases where, in a particular incarnation, a person is prevented by circumstances from living exactly according to what promotes esoteric development. Then a person must learn to practice resignation and patience. On the other hand, we should strive without ceasing to advance. But on the other hand, we must overcome impatience. Nothing is a greater hindrance to higher development than impatience. Therefore, we must learn patience. We must also regard any one incarnation in its true significance, even a life of 80 years, in comparison to the great evolution of the world that stands before us 
is only a brief span of time. We have time, lots of time, to be sure. It is never too soon to begin striving for higher development, but one should also not believe that everything has to be achieved or could be achieved in one incarnation. Many incarnations are all a part of this evolution. We have learned much when we have learned to wait patiently until the possibility is offered to us to live our lives externally, entirely in keeping with the requirements of the higher life. All this should lead a person to unite with his or her higher self. This is expressed in the verse that we discussed earlier, the meaning of which is approximately as follows. Quote, archetypal self, from which all things have come forth, to which all things return. Archetypal self, who lives in me, toward you I strive. Close quote. The verse itself is, and again I've tried the Sanskrit before, I apologize, Yasmaj yatam yagat zarvam yasmin eva pralayat yenadam daryat sarvam tasmai janan atmana nama. That's the end of that esoteric lesson. This next esoteric lesson is Berlin, June 26, 1906, very short, from the ma- uh, manuscript from Eugeni Bredel. As an introduction to the four masters who all work in our movements, Master Moria, power, Master Kuthumi, wisdom, Master Saint Germain, one turns to him in difficulties of everyday life, Master Jesus, what is intimate in a human being. End of that esoteric lesson. This is esoteric lesson given in Berlin on October 2nd, 1906. Record A is manuscript from Marie Steiner. Record B, manuscripts from Alice Kinkel, Lilla Harris, Anna Weissmann, Eugeni Bredov. Record A. In a modest, humble sense, it should, nevertheless, raise our self-esteem to know that we were found worthy to participate in the esoteric school. It is not a matter of chance that we arrived in the school The fact that we sought it, that we were admitted, proves to us that this striving has filled us already for several lives. The world outside can no longer satisfy us. We cannot be absorbed into it. If we had been able to do that, then we would not have sought the path here. The world outside represents the full flowering of the fifth sub-race. Alongside this flowering, The dawn of the sixth day, the sixth sub-race, is already making itself noticeable. This one will be much more spiritual. The spiritual body will be much more developed. Its flowering will be a review of what will be fully developed in the sixth root race. We, those of us in the esoteric school, belong to this dawning of the sixth day. We follow and serve the great master who is watching over its forming. Our task is to create this spiritual body out of ourselves and to give birth to it. Our physical body is not our I, capital. We are not permitted to identify with it. We have received it as it now is in this mineralogical solidity as an instrument for the tasks of the fifth root race. 
We must handle and form it as a tool for our tasks. Our eye should have power over it. Earlier our eye had a differently formed instrument, the body of the fourth root race, the Atlantean, that did not yet know the separation of sun and rain, that moved through floating mist and fog, was in many regards differently formed, but our ego was the same. The bodies of the Lemurian race were even more different, especially in the beginning stages. They moved, hovering through watery and air-like elements. The same eye worked on them. Our physical body is born out of the macrocosm. The external world fashioned it. Our eye must give birth to the spiritual body out of our physical body. Our spiritual body is called Atma. Atma means breath. Through regulated breathing, in meditation, we build our spiritual body. As a matter of fact, with each breath, we inhale or exhale our eye. There's a picture. A physical organism, physical body, etheric body, astral body, eye, and then B, manas, buddhi, atman, spirit self, etc., This drawing helps us to see what is actually happening. Within our external body, which was created by the gods, we form our spiritual body. The eye streams into it with every inhalation and out again when we exhale. By regulating our breathing and concentrating on various places in the body, we provide our earthly body with the forces needed for its formation. The eye itself has a direct connection with a spot behind the forehead, just a little above the root of the nose. Thinking has a direct connection with the larynx, feeling with the hands, and willing with the feet, and altogether with the frame of the body. If we send these forces streaming through our body with the help of regulated breathing, then we are building up our spiritual body. Quote, in the spirit, lay the seed of my body. Close quote. And that is the end of record A. Record B. We need to clearly understand the significance of the fact that we are in this esoteric school and what we are called to do as members of this school. Something that a pupil must learn well is inner independence and freedom. In no way can the pupil be allowed to feel dependent upon any person. Even if one's position in life, one's profession, necessitates a certain dependency in everyday life, nevertheless one should not feel this dependency inwardly. Inwardly a person should make him or herself entirely free. All feelings of submission, of subjugation, of lack of freedom must disappear from within the pupil. In external life there have always been people who were set apart from others as free and noble. Now the pupil should feel him or herself as belonging to those who are free and noble in spirit. Pupils are allowed to feel a certain pride that they belong to them in spirit, though at the same time in complete humility and modesty. They have been chosen by the leaders of humanity so that they might live and work in community with the free and noble. This should bring joy and satisfaction to the pupils, 
It should also be a comfort when they are not understood by their surroundings that they belong to a group of chosen people. As many are admitted to the school as ask for it. However, that they ask for it is nevertheless already a sign that they have been led inwardly, that they are prepared to enter into this chosen group. In the course of inner development, certain exercises are given to the pupils through which they can develop their spirit human being. They are to undertake breathing exercises according to instructions from their teacher. These breathing exercises exist to lead to spiritualization. Within themselves, humans have an organ that when they inhale, fills with air, and that when they exhale, is emptied of air. When inhaling, air enters into this organ, into the finest branches. The organ is the lung. The spirit of a human being lives in the air. When humans inhale, they inhale their spirit, and when they exhale, they exhale their spirit. The human spirit is developed more and more. Therefore, alternately, the spirit of a human being is inside or outside in the world. The growth of the spiritual human being is furthered through inhaling and exhaling. A great deal depends upon what humans add to their spirit when exhaling in terms of thoughts. Their spirit is assembled through these thoughts. They are building up and creating their spirit through every thought that they add to their breath. Humans did not always have an organ to breathe in the air. If we go back to the earlier planet, the moon, then beings lived there that breathed fire, not air. And so just as humans now breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide, at that time the beings breathed in fire and exhaled cold. There will also come a time when people no longer breathe air in and out, just as humans create warmth for themselves on the earth by means of their warmth organism, the heart with the circulatory system. So in a similar way, they will later have an organ of air, that will provide their organism with what we now take in from the air, just as our warmth organism now provides us with warmth, which earlier on the moon was absorbed from the environment and inhaled by the beings living then. In the future, humans will be able to metabolize used air within themselves. When that has been achieved, then they will no longer inhale air from their surroundings then they will no longer live in the air. At a later stage on Jupiter, humans will live in the light and inhale light, just as they now inhale air and on the moon inhaled warmth. One day the time will also come when humans will live only in the spirit, when they will use their bodies only as instruments. Already now this future time is being prepared. We are living in the fifth day of humankind in the fifth root race and evolutionary period of our earth. But in the spiritual world, the age of the sixth dawning has already begun. There humankind is already living in the dawn of the sixth day. That's the end of that esoteric lesson. Next esoteric lesson was given in Berlin on October 22nd, 1906. 
Record A is notes from Amelie Wagner. Record B notes from Ludwig Kleiberg. Record A. Sublime, precious words that could express what we have received are lacking. The masters of wisdom, etc., were certainly among us. The power that streamed forth from our beloved teacher was great. At the end I saw him radiant and youthfully transfigured, and then the holy word, Aum, Ah, the past, U, the present, the entire world surrounding us, M, the still unknown future for which we want to live. We are to be pioneers, the elite of humanity. We should feel ourselves exalted, but we should not presume too much, but rather prove ourselves worthy for such a task, for such a position, not arrogantly, but with humility. The four masters told us again, Master Jesus was the unknown one from the highlands, who came to Tauler, who taught the Gnostics, etc. We should always be getting to know the masters better. To do this, it is necessary to place ourselves back into the past. On the moon, there were not yet any beings who breathed with lungs. They inhaled warmth or absorbed it and gave off cold. In this way, they drew warmth from the moon. As the plants make the air breathable for us, breathing beings, by inhaling the harmful carbon dioxide that is exhaled by humans and animals, and using the carbon contained therein and then exhaling pure oxygen, so also on the moon there were beings assigned the function of our present-day plants. Namely, through exhaling warmth, they retarded the too-fast process of cooling. These beings were called fire spirits. They had not yet reached the human stage. Additionally, there were spirits on the moon who had already moved beyond the human stage and helped to prepare breathing with air. Indeed, they were forced to incarnate in bodies that did not have lungs, but they craved oxygen. This was only first prepared on the earth by the growing plant world. Only in the middle of the Lemurian age was the human being far enough along that the living breath could be breathed into it. The first breath drew in oxygen. That was of great significance. The spirits that brought that about were called spirits of air. The fire-breathing dragon is a symbol for the spirits of fire. Jesus was a cella of the third degree. When he was thirty years old, the following occurred to him. He left his body, and Christ took possession of this pure, noble body, the physical, etheric, and astral body. He himself withdrew back to the astral plane, where he remained united with the brothers of the White Lodge and achieved the rank of Master himself. Moria, his true name is only given to more advanced pupils, strengthens the will. Kuthumi is the actual Master of Wisdom. Jesus, the leader of the Church, works especially in the life of feelings. We can call upon them when we need them. All twelve masters of the White Lodge have passed through the entire evolution of our earth. They cannot work directly into the physical plane. We must lift ourselves up to them. Through the school they work upon us and in us and through us. The Mediator 
the teacher of the school, is obligated to answer to no one except him in whose name he speaks. That's the end of record A. Record B is very short. He spoke from immediate knowledge of and direct acquaintance with the great masters above us, who guide our striving and our lives, Kudhumi, Moria, Jesus, and Christian Rosenkreutz, the masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings. That's the end of that esoteric lesson. The next esoteric lesson was given in Munich on October 29, 1906. Manuscript from Alice Kinkle. There are quite a few diagrams in this. I will attempt to try to describe them. The law of correspondence between microcosm and macrocosm. Meditation, concentration, and their purpose. The forms of the five etheric streams, the tatwas. Sweet is a square with the sides broken. Puckering is actually a, a crescent moon. Sour is a circle with a dot in the center. Bitter is half of a spiral. Triangle is spicy. This is a sign of the esoteric script, the sign of the human being. And he's talking about a five-pointed star. This sign is not made up. It is not arbitrary, but rather it is read from the cosmos. Everything is correspondence in the cosmos, correspondence of the microcosm and the macrocosm. Sub-rosa, under the rose, the pentagram. With the point of the pentagram pointed upward, it is the sign of white magic. It expresses within itself the evolution of the forces of the sun. With the point directed downward, it is the sign of black magic, expressing the influence of the evil forces of the earth. Black magicians concentrate their will on the individual in question, whom they wish to influence, and they thereby awaken in him or her very specific thought pictures. Number one, capital I, saying. That is the point of the first concentration the I consciousness. Number two, the consciousness of language. The organ for this is the larynx. Number three, the uprightness of the human being. Number four, the actions of a human being. The hands are a human being's tools for work. The creation of personal karma is connected with them. Number five, the enclosing skin. With this, the human being is a special body, no longer a part of the whole. The human being must bring about a transformation within of what has streamed in and change what flows out into the world from within. Only with the ear is what originally enters the human being retained and then the larynx gives it back. The purpose of meditation and concentration is to create harmony with oneself and the cosmos and to create the flow of the cosmos in oneself the end of the esoteric lesson. The next esoteric lesson was given in Munich on November 1st, 1906. Notes from Teresa Walter. Azuras remained behind on Saturn. On the sun, the spirits of fire. Christ is the regent of the spirits of fire. The satanic multitude consists of fallen spirits of fire. On the moon, they are the Luciferic spirits. 
Lucifer intervened in the evolution of humans in the Lemurian race. He could be included in the Earth's development and works as liberator by giving people independence and enthusiasm for wisdom. Satanic beings began their work in the Atlantean race, black magic. They are the gods of hindrances. The Azuras are only now intervening in the fifth race. They are by far the most destructive and mainly work in the sexual life, therefore in the physical body. The many sexual aberrations of the present age can be traced back to this strong influence. All powers of hindrance manifest themselves in this, that they strive to hold what is imperfect in place, preventing it from being perfected, and attempt to strengthen, develop, and expand the imperfect aspects. Luciferic powers still worked as liberators, for they gave independence egotism with the power of the eye. We must go through egotism, which is, so to speak, the first expression of the power of the eye, just as error is the first form of wisdom in an evolving world, and animalistic love is the first expression of the highest spiritual love. Our work is to transform each of these, The separation of the sexes occurred in the third root race. In the sixth root race, it will be overcome. This must be prepared in the sixth sub-race. The productive, empowered humans will transform themselves. The productive power, in and of itself, is the holiest thing we have because it is directly divine. The more divine something is that we drag through the dirt, the greater the sin. The heart and larynx will be the productive organs in us. As the Word became flesh in Christ, so also in the age when Christianity is perfected, the flesh will become Word. That is the mystery of the Holy Grail, the Holy Lance of Love, the fructifying light of the sun that will again unite with Eve. The esoteric brotherhood of the Rosicrucians is the nursery in which the human material for the coming age must be formed. In times of special darkness, especially bright light must constantly arise. Christ was born during the age of Oriphiel. When Oriphiel again comes into his regency in a few centuries, Then the spiritual light that was brought by Christian Rosenkreutz and is now spread must have created a multitude of clairvoyant people who are pioneers working consciously toward the goal. That will call into existence the separation into two main streams, a race of good people and a race of evil people. Good and evil are still relatively little differentiated. Our eyes also penetrate very little through the uniform form of the flesh. Now it is a relatively short step from evil to good, from good to evil. If the forces of the masters and those humans who join them with all their strength and will and the powers of the gods of hindrance, also called mammon, forces of Satan and the Azuras, and their human followers, intervene increasingly, powerfully, in the life of humanity, then the good will be developed into a divine good 
and the evil into something into a something terrible, Antichrist. Then every one of us world helpers, the word is spoken with the greatest humility, will need all the power that can accrue to him or her through suffering and overcoming suffering, through evil and overcoming evil. The purpose of theosophy, of Rosicrucianism, is to call people to this battle through such knowledge and to give them peace in this battle. That is the end of that esoteric lesson and the end of this section. I believe this is section 10.